Did any of you receive a text from me yesterday asking for money? (laughs) Somehow this text went out. I don't know who it got sent to, but yet I do because some people responded to me saying, is this you? I will never, ever, ever ask anyone through a text for money. Neither will anyone, well, neither will this church ask anyone for money that way probably not even through a email. We would stand up in front of you and say, here's a need, here's what we want you to give to a missions project or whatever. Never, ever, ever. And I'm going to ask Todd Moran to come up and just address this really quickly because uh, he works the Grants Pass Police Department and he has experience in this and he's got some great tips. We live in wicked times. So I want to make sure that I'm being respectful of this uh, congregation, but I've been slowly joining the Gray Hair Club for several years now. And uh, when Doug called me yesterday and talked to me about what had happened, um, you know, I just was talking with my wife on the way to church thinking, you know, we could probably give them a a few tips to keep people out of uh, this issue. So I think there's two things why um, the people that are doing this target Uh, older folks. One is that uh, they aren't necessarily as aware as some of the sophistication that goes into these scams. And then the, you know, the the boomers that most of you guys fit into um, are really the last generation that would probably, without question, just give money. You know, without even asking, not even a thought, just do it. So, well, maybe say things that you need a little bit of education, but it also is kind of complimentary to know that you guys are, you know, probably one of the you know, last part of that great generation um, that went before you guys. So there are some sophistications in these uh, scams that are they're horrible. Um, some of them, because, you know, we carry around these. These aren't phones anymore, you guys. These are computers, all right? And so if a, if a virus gets on one of these things, it can get into your address book and it can send out text messages to everybody within. So while it may look like it's coming from Doug, you know, all it was is a some kind of a computer generated text and maybe 95 of them say, you know, like my wife does, you're a scammer, leave me alone. Um, but it gets five of you, okay. Right. You know, they didn't put any work into it. It was just a program that goes out, and they just get to reap the rewards of someone that is uh, not necessarily up to speed on all the sophistication that goes into these. You know, some of the other ones that are less sophisticated but even more diabolical, you know, they call them the grandparent scam, where someone will actually call you and say, hey, Grandma, Grandpa, I'm in jail, or I, you know, I need your help. You know, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like your grandson or granddaughter, but you're not going to not help them. And so there you are, you know, giving money to someone that you have no idea who it is. I would say to you that unless you are someone that has asked for service or asked for someone to contact you, if someone calls you out of the blue, don't waste your time with those folks. Don't even answer it. My parents, uh, they even had someone come to the door, you know, doing door-to-door things, you know, and my own parents, they have three police officers in their family, still provided information to them. And so I had to go in and get their credit on lockdown through all three different credit bureaus, you know, so it can happen 
uh, even if you you know have kids in your family telling you don't do this. So that is another thing is you know if you have parents that are aging, you know it's our job to kind of protect them from this type of thing, and you know always making sure that hey if you don't know who it is and if you haven't solicited a phone call or a you know a piece of mail that um, isn't something you need, you know don't respond to those people. It is diabolical. Um, what else was I going to say? I don't know if I have much else other than just uh, making sure that, um, you know, taking care of each other. Uh, we yeah. have a, an officer in our department that just does these mostly full time. And he is very well versed and he actually goes to some of the retirement communities and, you know, gives a presentation. And because there are so many of these different scams out there, it's really kind of like an hour long presentation and it's a lot of information to take in but just that bottom line if you don't know who they are um, don't don't give them any money I'll give you an example so we had a, uh, a guy from I think he lived in California called and asked uh, our office to go out and do a welfare check on his dad he hadn't heard from him so our officer went out and knocked on the door no one was there but as he's standing there the guy pulled up the father pulled up and uh, so we told him, hey, uh, your son's trying to get a hold of you. He couldn't get a hold of you. He says, well, I've been busy taking care of some financial issues, and um, I haven't had the time, but I'll call him. And the officer was astute to notice that he was holding in his hand a stack of gift cards. And he said, what are you doing with those gift cards? And he said, well, somebody called and said that I had to, in order to not be arrested or not, you know, the IRS come out and do something to me, I had to get these gift cards, all right? There's no government agency that will have you pay in gift cards. So if someone's asking you to do that, it is a complete scam. My wife loves to get those people on the phone because she <laughs> spends about two hours with them on there, and then at the end, they basically figure out that she's just messing with them, and she just, they just wasted two hours. Yeah. Good for you, Rebecca. It's annoying, though, because I'm like, just hang up. Uh, so like I said, it's... You know, there's no law enforcement agency that will tell you that if you don't provide, you know, money, then we're going to come arrest you. You got a warrant. That's not how it works. Don't believe it. Uh, so, unless Doug has an offshore account somewhere, that was not, <laughs> that it, that was not him. Um, these numbers oftentimes are almost uh, untraceable. Uh, there, and it used to be where you would get a number and you go, I don't even recognize where that number is from but now they're generating them and they look like they're local numbers. So even if they look like no local numbers, unless you know who they are, don't answer them and just let them go to voicemail. If it's somebody that you need to talk to, they'll leave a message. So it's good. In short, that's what uh, I had for you this morning. That's good. That's good. I could just see them calling my grandmother. Your grandson needs, she would say, tell him to get a job. <laughs> My grandma was feisty. This morning, um, I want to speak to something that is happening right around the corner. And for some of us uh, in this sanctuary, we'll start probably Monday, uh, but school's starting. And I wanted to address something this morning, and that is just teachers. 
And when I speak about teachers this morning, I'm speaking to everyone in here who has taught, who is presently teaching, and or managing, and or supervising, where you are overseeing and you're training people. That's a lot of you, not just teachers, okay? So that's who I want to address this morning. So I, 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 I typed this question out, what is a teacher? What is a teacher? And I wrote, a teacher doesn't only teach. They also inspire. They also encourage their students, the people they're working with, to be the very best version of themselves. That's what a good teacher does. That's what a good manager does. I managed in the business world for years prior to this and a whole other life, and my heart and my job was always to make that person feel comfortable around me, to learn a skill set so they could excel. I never once did it enter my heart that I had to lord over them or control them. I've worked under people like that, and it's not fun. How many know that one? Yeah. yeah. Most of us have experienced that. Not fun. So again, a teacher, someone who teaches, someone who oversees, really should have the heart to inspire and to encourage their students, again, to be the very best version of themselves. My, my premise, too, is as a believer, as a kingdom person, when I stand next to somebody, my heart is, is I help them and I encourage them to be the very best they can be in Christ. Amen? All of us should have a heart to want to do that. So I also wrote here, I wrote, and this can have a tremendous impact on how students interact with others now and in the future to come. You can tell by being around people if they've had a good teacher in their life. You can tell. And you can also tell if they've had some bad teachers that left a bad influence in their life. Amen? Yeah. So whether you're teaching kindergarten, whether you're teaching music, whether you're a manager, uh, whether you're teaching education, even in special education, a teacher is someone who the students should want to look up to, not look down on. A teacher is someone who a student looks up to and, and they aspire to become like that person. Think of Christ. We aspire to become like him in all of his ways. That's what we're called to do, right? By the way, it's nice to be back up here sharing. My name's Pastor Doug and and uh, <laughs> been gone for a while. But I do want to say some amazing people filled in the gap. We had a summer schedule of people preaching, and you guys rocked it. Every one of you that shared, you rocked it. You knocked it out of the ballpark. Newt, last week, are you kidding me? That was amazing. I love that guy. So thank you so much. Where was I? Okay. Some of, I wrote here, some of the most influential and life-changing role models, again, are teachers. How many of you can remember a teacher in your life? that really had an impact on your life. Let me ask you this. How many of you had a teacher in your life that you went, uh, uh, a few of us, yeah, who would, who would almost demean and speak down to and say things that were harsh and cruel? I have worked under and have had a few teachers in my life that were like that. It was a constant put down. Be careful because your students will become like that. Teachers, what you want to produce is good fruit. If you want to see good fruit down the road, 
Be kind, be gentle, be courteous, be all of those fruits of the Spirit towards them. Amen? So this morning I want to talk about briefly, and then we got some stuff that we need to do. I want to speak about the influence of a godly teacher. Right now on YouTube and other places, they've got these influencers. Some of them are okay, some of them are good, some of them are like, what? Are you kidding me? How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Believe it or not, every one of you are influencers. Bjorn said something this morning. He said, when you stand up there, Doug, and you look at the people, let them know. This is him speaking from the Spirit of the Lord. Let them know that every one of you are image bearers. What image are you bearing? What do people see when they see you? Now, only you can answer that. Well, I could meddle a little bit, but I won't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I want to speak about the influence of a godly teacher. And I wrote here that leadership has many traits. And one of the traits that characterizes godly leadership is good influence. Good godly influence. That really is a characterization or, or one of the characteristics of someone who's walking with Jesus as they input into others that will go, it will move in, out of them into and through others. And hopefully they become like the teacher, right? If God placed you in a classroom or a setting where you are teaching, you hold a position. Hear me. You hold a position. Even if you're managing, you hold a position. If you are a believer in Christ, you hold a position that really is to be managed by biblical principles. That's how we should govern our lives, by the Word of God. We should approach such leadership, I'll call it, with a God-given vision of what can be accomplished if we are the type of leader, if we are the type of teacher, if we are the type of manager that God wants us to be. Think of what you can accomplish, Christ in you working through you, flowing out to others. There is a story, and it's of this old tugboat that's dry docked. I believe it's in Ponce de Leon Inlet in Florida. There's a famous, uh, uh, famous lighthouse there. And years ago, I don't know if it's still there or not, or like it down at a Gold Beach, that little boat you see settling into the water over the years. But it, I imagine it was kind of like that. Well, here's this tugboat. But on the side of the tugboat, it said F.D. Russell. That was the name of the boat, the F.D. Russell. Does anybody know about the F.D. Russell? Probably not. But every story has a story behind the story, right? F.D. Russell was Captain Frank D. Russell. He built the boat in 1938, and for something like 50 years, it plied the waters of Florida, just tugging and doing whatever it was designed to do and take ships around and barges for five decades. That's a couple days, my friend, this little tugboat. So here it is sitting, dry docked. But the interesting part of the story is, as I researched this, was that Frank, the captain, when he was in high school, took a wood woodworking class, in a woodworking, well, woodshop working class, there you go, and he decided his project was going to be a ship's wheel. So he built in high school a ship wheel, that's one of the little knobs and they turn and they run the boat with, it turns the rudder and steers everything. He built it in shop class. 
Isn't that amazing? It was years later that Frank and his father built the tugboat around that steering wheel. For all those years, Frank kept this incredible vision for this ship that would one day be completed around that wheel that he made in class. And he finally realized it the day that dream had come true, the day he put his foot on that tugboat, started it up and took off tugging. It's a lot like that with students. A good teacher, a good trainer, a good manager, a good supervisor will, will keep in mind their vision for the students that they are teaching. And they have this ability to look farther down the road. When you talk to me about child raising, I can give you all kinds of theories and ideas and concepts and things I've read because I've worked with children for 40-some years, my wife and I have. But one thing I'm solid and I know is that with young people and student, that one standing in front of you, you have to look farther down the road. You have to. And that's what a lot of times we do here at Vineyard Christian School is we have a student in front of us and we have to look. They may be acting up and in trouble. There's a young, particular young man, he's not here today, but years ago he wouldn't mind me sharing this. He came to my office and he was very troubled. He got in trouble for something. I don't even know what he got in trouble for. But I always saw something in that young man. And, and he was struggling. And anyhow, the long and the short of it is I was able to see farther down the road and I poured my heart into that young man for a short season, and he became an amazing man of God. An amazing man of God. An amazing father. Guys, look farther down the road. Don't be caught off. Don't freak out at what's happening right at the moment. It may be hard. It may be tough, but look farther down the road. I think those people, those teachers, those managers, those, those supervisors have this ability have this understanding of James 1.4. It's entrenched, it's deep, it's tattooed on their heart. And that is, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So teachers, with prayer, with patience, with encouragement, with godly direction, they, the students, the ones that you're working with, you could even call them your disciples, can fulfill God's purpose, I wrote, for their lives. That realization should inspire us to improve our leadership. Teachers, supervisors, managers, we should always be in this place where we're wanting to hone our own skills. It, it, a master teacher doesn't even need the curriculum anymore. They intrinsically know what they need to do, but they're always seeking to improve that. I, I love teachers here historically over the years that have been here. Marilyn, you were one of them. You were always upping your game. Every year she came back, my wife and I would marvel at, marble, marble. We would marvel at the ideas that she brought to the table that were so new and fresh. She just didn't repeat the same thing every year. She was always upping her game. When it rained or when it was funkier, when we hit the doldrums during the school year, it was like, you're not to be held hostage by the curriculum. You can take a moment and step outside. Let the kids run in the rain for a moment. Not all day, but for a moment. Or let them come in the gym. In other words, you can stop the bus for a moment and just get off the bus for a moment and let the kids look around. A lot of times we're so driven by the curriculum that we miss those opportunities to really build deep, lasting relationship and friendship with students and with people. One of the best bosses I ever had over the years 
was a very devout Mormon. He was awesome. He was an incredible man of integrity, a phenomenal leader. And I remember I was an apprentice. I'm standing there. I was an apprentice meat cutter. I'm standing there. I'm looking at like five, six, seven carts, shopping carts loaded with boning, where you have to pull the bones out of the meat and all that to make hamburger for the next day. My job was to take care of all that. That's a lot of work. That's tonnage. And I remember I'm going, okay, there's the first basket. Let's go. Now, I was factory equipped. I had a good meat hook, and <laughs> I'm, I'm going like crazy. And all of a sudden, boom, through the doors walks Gary McFarland, the manager. He says, this is not beneath me to help you. My job is to serve you and help you become a phenomenal journeyman puts on his meat smock and he stood there and we for about two hours we finished everything and we just laughed and talked and he shared his heart and we really built a deep lasting friendship out of that finally it came down to this point he knew I was passionate about Jesus and he'd say look we, I think we're at this point where here's God the Father here's you and here's me we're just approaching from different angles and he just left it at that but I had tremendous respect and I still do today for that man so there are many examples of great leaders in the Word of God. Amen? Many, 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 many examples. And a lot of times we often look at their lives to learn from so that we can exemplify their godly character, right? We do that. David has always been a hero to me and how he managed and, and worked through life and the storm and the things that came at him. He always had a heart after God. And I always, I always in fact... Uh, the relationship that him and his friend Jonathan had, King Saul's son. I was so intrigued by their relationship and how they moved and, and came through life, I named my son Jonathan David for that very reason. Their example really expired me, inspired me. So, expired me. I think I need about some more water, but anyhow. There are also some wrong examples that we can learn from in the Word of God. And I say that because all Scripture is inspired for what? Reproof, correction, direction, all Scripture. You can't just dust it off and go, well, that guy was bad and move on. There's something there because it was written for a reason for us to learn from. And one of those examples is, turn with me to 3 John, that's sandwiched between 2 Peter and Jude. If you get to Revelation, go back two books, you'll find Jude. I mean, I'm sorry, you'll find 3 John. And I want us to consider some of these examples, uh, or this particular example, and uh, as we prepare for this coming year, okay? So, 3 John, chapter 1. I'm reading out of the NIV, starting in verse 1. It says, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. My children is another reference to my disciples my students. Amen? Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and the sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, 
receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for truth. And in verse 9, we're going to zero in on. Verse 9 introduces this character to us. The, I, I, it's Diotrephes, I, bl I believe is how you say this, Diotrephes. Um, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Diotrephes was a leader in the church. He, if he was a leader, he obviously had people under him, okay? And it says here, he will not welcome us. Who loves to be first will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing. Spreading, what's he doing? Spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Shocking. This guy's in the church. But this is the reality of sometimes what happens in church. Then he goes on, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know our testimony is true. Then he goes on to finish out with, I have much to write to you, but I don't want to do it with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and I will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. So, what I want to do is take a look very quickly at Diotrephes' life, and I want to look at some examples of his life that we can truly learn from, okay? So let's move on. I wrote here, first, uh, Third John chapter 1 tells us of, of Diotrephes. From his poor example, we can examine some positive leadership characteristics and we, we should have present in our own lives if we desire to have a Christ-like influence on those that we are teaching, okay? I hope that made sense. Number one, not necessarily in particular order, but the first one is, first of all, a godly teacher must and always should be a servant. You know, we, we read in, in 3 John 1, 9 that Diotrephes, he desired to have what? Preeminence. He wanted to be the man. He wanted to be in charge. I'm telling you, a good servant knows their place, and they're not concerned about receiving recognition. That is a true, humble servant. They're cloaked with humility, and they rather put people in front of them than stand in front of those people. Amen? So a good, godly teacher, first and foremost, I believe, is a servant. Secondly, a good and godly teacher is teachable. We're also told in this same passage, 1-9, that Diotrephes, he wouldn't receive John's writing. Pfft, that's from John. I don't want nothing to do with that guy. I don't want nothing to do it. That's awful. But he wasn't teachable. It's as if he had already learned everything. Come on. Teachers are always learning. A great teacher is always learning. Amen? Always seeking, always digging. Some of the most amazing people in the Lord that I know that dig in the Word continue to dig in the Word. Well, I read the Word. Well, you missed the part about God's Word is alive, it's active, it's always shifting, moving, and changing. 
I'll tell you, and you've experienced this too, you read a passage, you go back years later and you're reading it again or again, and all of a sudden it's different. You see something deeper, something more powerful, something grips your heart. How many know that one? Yeah, yeah. People, people are always sharing books with me, and I don't mind. I, I, I like, I'm fairly well read. I like reading books, but at the end of the day, I'm really focused on God and His Word because it's always changing. It's always redefining and helping me hone my skills about who I am in Him because I want to be the very best version of Jesus that I can be here on this earth. And on my heart is I hope you do too. There's a story of a little kindergartner. We've heard this a lot over the years. There's a little kindergartner who came home from the first day of school, and his mama said, what'd you learn today? And he said, well, not enough because I have to go back tomorrow. <laughs> That's the way it should be all of us. Let, let me ask you, do you have the attitude that you already know it all? Of course, you're not going to go, yeah, I got that one. Or do you have a spirit that is open to receiving direction and correction. And let me tell you something. If a teacher doesn't have a teachable spirit, it can sometimes be absent in the lives of their students. I've met students, I already know all that. Huh, well, good luck with that. Okay, let's move on. Third, a godly teacher is just. I didn't say fair. Years ago, and I was teaching a PE class, and someone said, that's not fair. And this little girl, Jure Fleming, I'll never, Roxy Fleming's daughter, she raises her hand. She goes, Mr. T, Mr. T, I know what fair is. I said, what's fair? And she says, my mama says that's where the carnival rides are. <laughs> <laughs> she got it. Not even God is fair. He's just. You know, in, in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers are commanded not to provoke their children to wrath. Teachers, don't, don't, don't ride. Managers, don't ride people. Don't shove and push. Work with them. Learn their, learn their quirks. Learn what makes them. Sometimes, yes, you have to be firm but gentle at the same time. Sometimes you have to speak that truth in love, okay? But don't just keep poking and pushing and poking and pushing because you will drive people to anger. And nothing is worse than an angry young man. Young women angry, that's, that, that's enough. But you get a young man that's angry, they tear the world apart. And it's terrible. Work with these people. Be just. I didn't say fair, but be just. I, I wrote here, Diotrephes was a man who unjustly used malicious words against church leaders. This flapping around mouth is sometimes an enemy against justice. Now, biblical justice means to make right. So are you speaking, are you doing things that bring justice? Are you speaking life? Are you speaking things that uh, impart, let me ask you this, do you speak too quickly? A student does something, you snap right away and you say something too quickly. Or do you ponder for a moment? It's tough, I know, but do you ponder for a moment? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? That's what the word says. Do you allow your feelings to determine your actions? I'm having a bad day at Black Rock, and you're going to have one too. And I've watched people do that. They have, to me, what I, blesses me so much about the staff here at school is how professional they can be. I know 
they come through the door with heavy hearts. I know they come through the door with baggage sometimes of things that have happened and they're like, ugh. But somehow when they come through the door, they're able to just manage this to a point where you don't know it's there. That's powerful. Because you know it's still dealing in their heart, but they're able to stop and they're able to control and they want to be just. They want to be just. Fourth, a godly teacher is content. This is, this is interesting to me because the great enemy of contentment is comparison. And when we, first, 2 Corinthians 10, 12 warns us of this. It says, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Man, I'm a crummy teacher. I wish I could teach like, I wish I could be like. Stop it. Stop it. If the Spirit of God is saying, you know, what you need to do is you need to work on this or on that, then do it. But stop comparing yourself. You'll never win doing that. And it just causes division. So a godly teacher is content. One of the things we see in, Di- in Diotrephes was malcontent. Malcontent. Malcontent is someone who is always dissatisfied, someone who's always complaining, someone who is always rebellious, pushing back against the system. And I'm talking about within a godly context. And I believe that because of his malcontent, he was a detriment to the work of the Lord. Whiny, complaining people. Don't you just love being around people who are always complaining? Not me. And, and my wife sometimes, she'll c- call me on it. Is that, are you, are you sharing or are you complaining? Oh, great. So I pull the car over and I make her walk home. No, no, I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm probably walking. Oh, I drove my own car, so I'm safe today. But. And last, a godly teacher is hospitable. To be hospitable requires a humble spirit, and I wrote here a servant spirit as well. And this is, this is why Diotrephes wasn't hospitable. He lacked both. It was all about him. He was the center of the universe. Talk about narcissism. This guy probably had what we would call today a narcissistic personality disorder. It was all about him. Everything revolved around him. I, I struggle with people like that. We see a lot of that in the church world today. Capital C Church. Capital C Church. There we go. We see that. So I wrote here in 3 John 1.10, he even refuses to welcome other believers. <sighs> what, what's frustrating to me sometimes in a teaching environment is we, we kind of develop this little click and we kind of look inward and we don't look outward. And someone new comes in and they're trying to figure out, excuse me, how do I get into this circle? Where do I? Guys, we should all be facing outward too, welcoming people into the family of God welcoming people into the environment that God's placed you as a leader, as a teacher, as a servant over. You know, I wrote here, do not be so busy meeting your own needs that you miss the opportunity to serve others. We can get so caught up in our own stuff that we miss the opportunity to really be a servant to others. Joseph in the Old Testament, if you've ever studied anything about Joseph, this is amazing. He had such a wonderful spirit of serving on him that even the Pharaoh noticed it. it noticed it. Did you ever, have you guys ever read that? Genesis 41, 38. 
And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Even the Pharaoh recognized there was something different about Joseph. Caleb was recognized as a man who had another spirit, a ran or had or on him was another spirit. That's amazing. We should be those people, that different. So, let's recap. How is your influence? Is it good? Is it bad? How is, how, um, let's just say this, if your influence is good, is it expanding? Is it, if it's bad, is it expanding? Check. You just have to run down the corridor of your heart and mark these off. Is your influence what God really wants it to be, or do you know you can take it up a notch? Only you can answer that. Do you have a servant heart? Are you teachable? Are you just? Are you content? Are you hospitable? If you are going to move out and become a leader that teaches others and, and manages and supervises in any way, shape, or form, these are issues that you need to wrestle with now and get settled in your heart and begin to work on those issues. Remember, if we keep the vision of what God wants our students to be, we will understand better why we should be working on and developing these characteristics, characteristics in our own lives. Amen? Wow. Well, I want to spend a moment. We're going to pray over teachers, not just for Vineyard Christian School. That's one of the big ministries out of this. This is why this building was designed the way it is. We have classrooms everywhere, which one of our new ones just got built this summer, remodeled, I should say. A um, lot of moving and changing. The school is growing. The, the world is tired of, of the educational system as, as we know it. And uh, a lot of people are running to other sources of, in, of education. We're excited, but at the same time, it's with sincere humility and uh, a sense of fear and awe that we just move into this moment because it's a lot. It's a big increase. And we've got a staff that I think is amazing that's going to cover that. But as well, there's some of you that are homeschooling. I say right on. There are some of you out there that uh, your kids are going back to the public school. And you know what? Man, God help you. God bless you. Uh, we'll do whatever we can to support and help you in that. I'm not going to throw rocks at you for that because I've watched kids go through that system and come out fine because the parents were incredibly involved in their lives. But I'm telling you, it's an uphill battle. So, having said that, Sandy, could you come up? So, I don't want this to just be about Vineyard Christian School because there's so many different uh, angles represented here. It's, it's like a multifaceted gym or a gym that's multifaceted. There's all different angles to this, that homeschooling. You've got people working and managing businesses. I mean, anybody here that's overseeing people, I want them to be included in this moment. But we're going to take a moment, and we want to pray over our students and our, our staff here and introduce a few people, and then we need to do something else that's, I think, incredibly cool. So, yeah, just... Blue light. Red light, green light. Red light. 
Okay, I'm gonna start uh, introducing the staff at the school. Um, when I mention you, will you, if you're here, will you please come up here? Um, our three-year-old preschool teacher is Molly Bleeker. Woohoo! <laughs> our pre-K teacher is Teresa Dahl. She is going to have Brenda Ayers um, aiding with her this year. <laughs> Our kindergarten teacher is Kimberly Pyle. Our first grade teacher is Rose Crownover, and she's not here today, but. <laughs> Our second grade teacher is Rochelle Garrett. Woohoo! <laughs> Third grade teacher is Timory Davis. Woohoo! Woo Our fourth grade teacher is Bonnie Ellis, who is not here today. Our fifth and sixth grade teacher is Lindsay Violetti. Woo! In seventh and eighth grade, we have Cyril Hunkler. And Kaylee Jones is in there as well. She's not here. We also have some uh, a recess monitor and uh, lunchroom uh, person here today, Kim Piotter. And then we also have uh, Cody D um, Jordan doing the same, which he's not here. And then Brittany Shannon will be helping with PE classes, and she's not here today. Uh, we also, um, I just want to let you know, guys, uh, we are so thankful and blessed by your support. We're able to have, I think we're at 118 students this year. So thank you. There's so much we could say about <clears throat> each and every one of these people. They are amazing. And it represents to me, it, it's kind of like a beachhead that's pressing back against what's happening that the enemy is pushing. So they're pushing, the enemy's pushing, so they need a lot of prayer. They need your support. And I would like to add with that too, you know, if you want to catch a name of one of these people and put it on your refrigerator or whatever and be praying for them every day or just praying for the staff, please do that. It is a spiritual battle. It is huge. We have parents coming through the door that are kind of on the edge with Jesus. And, and, and I'll tell you, they're going to hear the young children are going to hear Jesus every day in the class and everything they do. And that's going to be going home. And we have watched that change the environment of homes. So we're excited about that. The Vineyard Christian School has been a ministry of this church for over 40. How long, Linda? 49, 50 years. Yeah, it started up the road. It's been here a long time. 
And it's fun to see it grow. These are amazing people once again. One of the things, too, if financially, I'm saying it. I'm not texting you. <laughs> financially, if you want to help support a student or tuition or anything, please talk to Mrs. Thomas, Matt Bender, and we'll do whatever we can to see that that money's routed to help a particular student, family, or the school. It takes a lot of money to make all this work, and tuition covers a large part of it. A lot of the remodels and stuff we did, the school paid for that out of fundraisers, so it's not coming off the church, although the church does help by subsidizing with lighting and stuff throughout the year and pay for a couple salaries, some of it. But a lot of this is our heart is to see the school be completely self-sustaining, but it still is a ministry of the church, and it's known for that. So, You know, I forgot someone... Um, I want to introduce Linda Wright. She has been faithful. She comes and helps at all times. She, she subs whenever we need someone, and she steps right in, and we really appreciate it. Um, what's that? We will. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. Uh, another thing, too, is... There is an anointing that's transferred throughout the years, and I, I just, as we pray over these teachers, Marilyn, could you come up? You were a huge yes. part of this. <laughs> come, come right on in here. Could I have the elders that are here come on up real quick? One other thing we're going to do this morning is Sandy is stepping down as principal. And, but that doesn't mean she's going anywhere. <laughs> Believe me, we need her. <clears throat> Matt Bender, come on up. <clears throat> Most of you know Matt. He's practically grew up here. He's an amazing brother. But he is stepping into that role as principal this year. And I would highly encourage you to pray that there's no target on his back because that's what the enemy does. I was principal here for almost 30 years, and Sandy stepped in, and, and she's, we just worked, Sandy and I worked together. It was amazing. But Sandy wants to move more back into clerical stuff in the office and work on things that are so important. I'll tell you, our handbook started 30 years ago, 12 pages. Now it's like volumes because of what the government, it's just brutal. But at the end of the day, she manages that. Matt's going to manage the running of just families and people and dealing with. And uh, my job is to help pick Matt up at the end of the day. and help, No. <laughs> He's done really, really, really an amazing job. He... He got in behind so much of this remodel work. He worked tirelessly. Last night, he was here late, just running cables, finishing room. I mean, the guy's amazing. He's a workhorse, but I want to honor that in him. So, yeah. so let's, I'm going to pray over the staff here, and then I want to pray for this young man. So, And elders, if there's anything on your heart... Um, there's a mic here somewhere. 
I'll just hand it to one of you guys if you need to. Father, we just thank you for this amazing team that you've assembled, that you have assembled, Father. And Father, I pray that you would anoint them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet with your presence, uh, with your mind, with your spirit, God, so that they would be able to fearlessly articulate your heart, whether it's through core subjects, reading, writing, and arithmetic, or just even applying uh, those Christian education things, the values of you, God, and instilling those into children. I pray that they would hold nothing back, that they would be bold and courageous. And I pray, God, that in those moments when they're having that day where it's like, oh, a struggle, that you would be there, God. You would show up in a powerful way. You would lead them. You would guide them. I pray that they would continue to have servant hearts, that they would be teachable. Oh. And Father, I pray that they would come to understand your presence, not only in their own lives, but in the lives of their students and in their classroom, Lord, that they would see their classroom as a sanctuary for you and your presence. Oh. And Father, I just pray for amazing favor and amazing grace on all of their lives. Amen. I'd like uh, just the church, just to look at each face here. Uh, my wife and I were missionaries for over 10 years in the Amazon. And it was an incredible, incredible time overseas as foreign missionaries. But as a church, our body is supporting this mission field right here. So we give a, a, a portion of our tithes and offerings uh, to these missionaries right here. And yeah. if you would, I would just, as you're looking at them, maybe the Lord would put one of them or two or three on your heart to pray for. Um, I know for us, we had missionary cards that we put on our fridge. On oh, our fridge. Cool. Please pray for us. And uh, I just felt that you guys are our missionaries. This is our front yard missionaries. Yeah. You, you guys, our mission. You are our missionaries. I just would ask um, Holy Spirit, I just, as we're, <laughs> we're looking at these teachers here and Principal Matt, um, we just ask, Father, that you would impress one or two or three or all of them on our heart so that we'd daily lift up these missionaries as they put in, in care and stewardship um, to teach this next generation, Lord, yes. to show them, not just teach them good values, but to lead them to you, Jesus, Yes, which is the most important thing in this whole world is for these little kids to be forgiven, saved, yes. set free, and knowing you, Jesus, as their best friend. Yes. So we do. We lift up these teachers slash missionaries and ask, Father, um, you would give us insight how we can pray for them daily and support them. Yes. God, we're just looking forward to so much more fruit. There's already been so much. Looking yeah. forward to so much more and how we can just partnership better with this school. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. And, and again, protect Matt. <laughs> We ask for wisdom over his yeah. life, Lord, extra strength as he steps into this. In Jesus' mighty name, God, we thank you for the anointing that you put on him. Yes, Lord. We just ask for an increase in favor, for an increase in wisdom, God, for each one of, of, of these teachers as he's uh, helping direct them and lead them. Yes. We just ask, Father, for your Holy Spirit to just come upon him with a greater measure of wisdom and insight. We ask, Father, that you would give him peace, that kind of peace that would just break the enemy's back, mm. that peace that is it's just there, and it's, it's a strength. It's not yes. 
passive by any means. It's a strength that comes from you. We ask Jesus that um, you being the Prince of Peace would just meet Matt where he's at and give him a greater level of you, greater level, level of your peace in his life to, impass, uh, to pass on to these teachers and these teachers pass on to the kids. We ask this in, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Father, we just also, I, I, just this whole mantle of authority and leadership, Lord, we just pray as it transfers from Sandy Jesus. to Matt in the name of Jesus. Father, that anointing, that mantle to be able to do what you've called him to do with amazing grace would come upon him right now in the name of Jesus. Wow. 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 We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If we could have anyone who is a leader, a manager, a teacher in any way, shape, or form, homeschooling, parents, whatever, could you stand, please? Yeah, yeah. Guys, would you just extend your hands out here as we pray over? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Patty, as you were standing there, God just really spoke to my heart to tell you that this is your year of favor. All the years that the locusts have eaten and the things have been taken, it's coming back, sister. It's going to look a little different, but it's coming back. You're going to find unbelievable favor. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just lift up to you this amazing oh, group of people, God. I don't know all the ins and outs of what they do, Father, but I do pray this, that they would find favor with everything that they're doing. Father, I just pray for every person standing here today. As we move into this year, you would build a wall on their right. You would build a wall on their left and behind them so high that none of the enemy's darts could touch them. None of the enemy's darts, none of those words would penetrate their being, God. And they would hear your call with incredible clarity, like, like a church bell on a cold winter day far in the distance. They would hear it that clear. And Father, they would faithfully just put one foot in front of the other. And they would work on those characteristics that define who they are in you. They would become even better at serving, being hospitable, being just. Oh, my goodness. All of the things that we talked about this morning, Lord, and more would just be an increase in their life. Thank you, God. And Father, we pray for the students, these children that are heading off to school, Lord. Oh, that you would protect their young and tender hearts. That you would keep them from the evil one, God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. We thought it would be fun to close with a video that Reg and Moran produced for us um, about Vineyard Christian School. It's fun. And she did a wonderful job. So with that, we're going to close with this, and then we'll pray and we will release you. We don't need to pick up the chairs today, but starting next Sunday, we will.